0: O Christ. Lord, we pray that uh, we might be open to you speaking to us this evening through your life giving word. Amen. Amen. I'm actually majoring on the passage from uh, Acts 3 this evening, so you may wish to uh, turn to it, Acts 3, verses 11 to 21. That's on page 1104. And uh, what an incredible transformation we see in Peter, Simon Peter. The Peter we see in Acts 3 is a very different person from the one we left behind in the Gospels. In the Gospel accounts, Peter is portrayed as impetuous and cocky and unreliable and a bit flaky and mouthy and a bit of a loose cannon. The occasional flash of inspiration, but it's probably best to give him a wide berth. How on earth did Jesus put up with him? But as we meet him here in Acts chapter 3, we find a man who is self-assured, even a dose of humility, confidence, and something has happened to him, and he is a new man. The last we saw of him before Jesus' death, of course, he was weeping bitterly in the temple courtyard, having denied his master three times. Broken and hopeless. But now, nothing's going to stop him. And he's standing up and preaching to the crowd. I just want to pick up on three factors in Peter's transformation which have equal relevance to us 2,000 years on. The three R's. Arising out of a further are the resurrection. Revelation, restoration and refreshment. First of all, revelation. How many times, I wonder, did Jesus tell his disciples that he would suffer and die and three days later be raised to life? He reminded his disciples on many occasions. Let's just have a look at Mark's Gospel. This is why you've got the Bibles in, in front of you, uh, particularly tonight. If you turn to Mark chapter 8, first of all, Mark chapter 8, verse 31. So page 1022, we're going to rattle through these, but they're in pretty much consecutive chapters. Mark eight thirty-one. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days, rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Good old Peter. Next chapter, chapter 9, verses uh, 7 to 10. It's to the end of the passage, part of the transfiguration story. Verse 9, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Understandable, I think. They weren't uh, particularly anticipating anything spectacular like that. Later on in the chapter, verses 31 and 32, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into human hands. People will kill him, and after three days he will rise that they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. Turn over the page, chapter 10, verses 33 and 34. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. A few verses later, Chapter 10 verse 45, even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, hinting at the crucifixion. A couple of pages further on, Mark chapter 14 verse 21. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man, it would be better for him if he had not been born. And a few verses later, verse 27, 28, you will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And there's good old Peter, right on cue, declaring, even if all fall away, I will not. So Jesus was fairly persistent in reminding them, giving them a clue as to what would happen. But it hadn't sunk in. Simon Peter didn't understand it and didn't want it to be true. So he simply dismissed it. And it's only after the resurrection that the penny drops. And the reality of what Jesus has done and the ways in which it fulfilled the prophecies of old hit home. Oh, now I see. <coughs> <Duh>. <coughs> and it's because of this revelation that he's able to stand up and preach with confidence. There are echoes of Jesus' words from Luke 24 verse 44 in Peter's words in Acts 3.18 when he speaks of a way in which uh, all that Jesus had done fulfilled the law of the prophets or the words of the prophets and uh, the Old Testament. But it's not just because of Revelation, it's also down to his restoration. It's difficult to imagine, isn't it, more of a contrast between broken, weeping Peter in the temple courtyards, and confident, rejuvenated Peter in Solomon's colonnade. It's only possible because of his encounter with the risen Christ by the Sea of Galilee. That awkward encounter where three times Jesus asks him, Do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he's reminded three times of his (laughs) abject failure. But Jesus' questions aren't ones to condemn him. They're a means to restore him. And instead of berating him for his failings, he commissions him for service. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Whatever the failings of his past, Jesus affirms him for the future. Undeserved maybe, but a powerful statement of trust and affirmation. And so Peter is able to speak from his lived experience. The message he shares with the Jews is not an academic apology for the gospel. It's personal. He knows now that he's got nothing to offer of himself, but is totally dependent on God's grace and mercy. And as he speaks of what the people have just witnessed, which was the healing of the lame man at the beautiful gate, he gives all the glory to God. He says, Why do you stare at us as if by our own power and godliness we have made this man walk? I think the Peter of old would probably be grasping a bit of credit for himself. But there's a further reason why Peter can stand so confidently before the crowd. It's the revelation, the restoration, but also the refreshment. And so in Acts 3, verse 19. He says to the crowd, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And Peter, along with the expanding group of Jesus followers, have just experienced refreshing like no other as the Spirit has been poured out upon them at Pentecost. They've been given a fresh boldness in speaking out the good news doing so fearlessly despite the ever-present threat of persecution and rejection. It had been in the power of the Spirit that Jesus himself had resisted all the temptations thrown at him in the desert, the temptations to compromise and go his own way. And now in the power of the same Spirit, Peter and the other disciples had resisted the temptation to hide away and to keep the good news to themselves. And so if we're to be confident witnesses to the resurrection, we'll need to take these three R's on board for ourselves. Revelation. It's quite easy for us to mouth the words of the creed week by week, to sing well-known hymns and pay lip service to the truths of the gospel. But it's only through revelation of the extent of God's love and his truth, the truth of his word, that faith becomes real. I wonder when you first really appreciated that Jesus had died for you, that your sins could be forgiven. How did that change your perspective and approach to life? Maybe you need a fresh revelation of God's love for you, such revelation is a gift from God. Ten days or so ago I was at uh, Hazelmere doing our Easter youth camp and we had a lad in our small group, uh, must have been 17, 18 years old, lovely guy from a Christian family, name of Michael. His dad's a minister. Poor lad. He knows it all, he can quote the Bible at you. He's bright, he's insightful, but he stands back from the Gospel. At this point in time he's not willing or able to accept it as relevant To him, and no amount of persuasive argument will bring him to faith. My prayer is for a revelation of God that the Spirit will just show him. It will recognize his need of God. That's a breakthrough that only God can bring about. May we too have a fresh revelation of God's love for us. And then, what do we know of God's restoration? I think we have to become painfully aware of our own inadequacies before we can truly know God's restoration. Perhaps not the verbal denial of Simon Peter, but a recognition nonetheless that we've made our own choices which have sometimes pushed Jesus to the margins and that we have gone our own way. And Jesus not only calls us back, but offers that complete, forgiveness and that fresh commissioning to his service. As we read at the beginning of Romans 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And then there's his refreshing, a fresh touch of his Holy Spirit that energises us like a fresh shovel of coal in a steam engine's boiler room. It might come at a conference, it might come in a service here, might come as we're sitting at home in communion with God, but God longs for us to experience the reality of his present day by day, his refreshing presence which will encourage us and embolden us and attune us to his voice. If we're to be resurrection people, we must surely be recipients of revelation, of restoration and of refreshment. That we might share the message of hope in word and action wherever God has placed us day by day. And so let's be still for a, a few moments and just reflect in the quietness. Let's reflect on the reality of God's message and what it means to us. His revelation, the revelation of his love, of his mercy of his grace. Let's acknowledge once again our need for God's restoration as we cry out to him for forgiveness. And let's reflect on how much we desire that refreshing Refreshing that comes through a fresh encounter with God's Spirit. Lord, I pray that for each person here there might be that fresh revelation might know your restoration where they need it and that you might bring your refreshing Lord we thank you that in these weeks we can focus on your resurrection life but we don't want that just to be for a few weeks Lord we want it to be an everyday experience so meet us we pray and just as Simon Peter was transformed, so might we experience your transformation, that we might be emboldened in our life and witness for you, in Jesus name. Amen. And now we come to affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. This brief resurrection creed where we stand to declare our faith in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried, he was raised to life on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Afterwards he appeared to his followers and to all the apostles. This we have received and this we believe. Amen. Amen. So let's pray together. Peter's going to lead us in our intercessions.